All right, for those of you that are visiting with us, don't get mad because of that. I'm not trying to trivialize your problems. I'm not trying to say snap out of it. I'm not trying to make the stuff that you've gone through in your life seem like it's nothing. Just come on, snap out of it and get over with. That's not it at all. What I've been trying to say now for four weeks, this is the fifth, is that whatever you need to do to get over it, whatever you need to do to get through the baggage of your past, whatever you need to do to get on with your life, start today. Don't let another day go past it may be more than one trip to the altar. It may be more one, one trip to the pastor's office. It may be more than one trip to the Christian counselor. It may be more than one conversation with the person that offended you. I don't know. Start the journey. Stop moaning about it and groaning about it and do something to get over it because you'll never get on with your life until you get over what is gone in the past. And you'll never be the husband that God wants you to be. You'll never be the wife that God wants you to be. You'll never be the father, the mother, the person that God wants you to be if you're held back by the baggage of the past. So get over it. And that's not easy. Some of you have been through horrible things in your life, and I respect that. But whatever you have to do, you know what? I don't know. I'm not going to be such an egotist to give you three steps to get over it. What, how trivial is that? Okay, I mean, some little, I won't go there, and, uh, but it's hard to get over it. I don't know how to tell you to get over it. Come on. I mean, you know what you've been through. Maybe I can help you. Maybe I can give you a, a guideline or two, but you know more about how to get over it. And you know, what you probably don't want to do is, is what we're going to talk about today, because many of you to get over it, and the reason you're not over it is you've got to go deal with conflict. You've got to go have a difficult conversation. You've got to have maybe even a confrontation. And as human beings, we don't like that. I kind of look at you kind of weird if you like confrontation. I kind of look at you kind of weird if you like conflict in your life. I don't know anyone that likes that, but once you mature a little bit, you realize that if I don't deal with the conflict in my life, that conflict is going to end up dealing with me. If I don't deal with a conflict, it's going to end up really messing up my life. And all of us have difficulty dealing with conflict, but especially those that are in the body of Christ, we have difficulty dealing with conflict because we're supposed to be nice people. And Jesus was the Prince of Peace. And we're supposed to love everybody. And I don't feel like I'm loving everybody if I push back on you. Or if I'd be really honest with you, because I'm afraid that'll make you mad. And that makes you a people pleaser, which we talked about that two weeks ago. It's maybe not you, but someone sitting next to you has got trouble because they're not dealing with conflict in their life. They're hoping it goes away. They're being super-duper spiritual and think they can pray it away, and they can't. What they're really doing is avoiding it. And avoiding avoidance is not deliverance. And some of us, by the grace of God, have to put on our big board drawers and have a difficult conversation. Because we've been stuffing it so long, it's eaten at us. 
on the inside. And the conflict on the outside of me is not any worse than the conflict on the inside of me. And I'm really disappointed in myself. And I'd be honest with you, I don't like myself too much because I don't have enough courage to deal with it. I want to talk to you today about getting over your fear of conflict. Getting over your fear of confrontation. Getting over your fear of difficult conversations. And I wish I could tell you I got this one wrapped around my finger, but I'm just as human as you are. And we all at times have to have difficult conversations. I've got to have a very difficult one this week. But we have to do them. Now, we're thankful that the Bible gives us some instruction on this. And the one that's great thing about the Bible is it doesn't gloss over the problems that were in people's lives. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't give you, I mean, it doesn't give you any indication that God's people are people that are free of conflict and we're just riding a roller coaster to heaven. That, you're reading a different Bible than I do if, if you see that in God's Word. Because God's Word shows people that are in all kinds of difficulties, have to have all kinds of difficult conversation, all kind of turmoil and unrest in their life, and they have to deal with that as much as anyone has to deal with that. I put it on Facebook this morning. I probably can't quote it. You know, you've, you've heard it before. Um, uh, peace in your life is not the absence of conflict. Peace is being able to deal with the conflict that's there because there's conflict everywhere. I've quoted it a hundred times. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus says. In this world, you will have trouble. I had a wife tell me that her husband didn't want <laughs> that her husband didn't want to get baptized because it was messy. I want to tell you something. Christianity's messy. Life's messy. And if you think Christianity's gonna clean up your life and make your life this little nice little package that you can put a little bow on and everything's just perfect, you man, you're just wrong. But hopefully, Christianity will give you the courage. Because Paul, when he, when he is um, mentoring and bringing up his young son in the faith, Timothy, he says to Timothy, this, this young man that's pastoring a church and this young man who's probably struggling to be bold in his faith, he says, Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of timidity but a spirit of power and sound mind and of love. And the power and the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to overcome all things in your life, especially that inability to have those difficult conversations. Abram, who later became Abraham, is a great story of this. Because God calls Abram and says, I, I, I need you to go to land that I will show you. Doesn't tell him what it is. He just says, go. Go to land that I will show you. And that's in Genesis 12. And Genesis 12 says that Abram, he packs up and takes his family. And the Bible says he took Lot with him. Lot was his nephew. Okay. Uh, Lot's dad had died. And so evidently Abram had taken him in. 
and Lot went with him. And so they were just traveling on, going somewhere. I didn't know where they were going. They were just going to say, God's going to lead us. God's going to give us direction. So they just, they just set out. And on that journey with them set out, they ended up having a problem because the blessing of God was on Abraham and, and God favored him. And Abraham's uh, grew in herds and, and flocks and cattle. And, and because Lot was with him, the overflow of that favor blessed Lot too. And the Bible said Lot had lots of of, of herds and cattle and flocks. And the Bible says there came a conflict because the servants of Abraham and the servants of Lot were arguing over grazing rights. That's what it says in Genesis chapter 13. There was an argument going on. There was conflict. It, it doesn't seem like it was the conflict was with Abraham and Lot. It was with the servants, the Bible says, of Abraham and the servants. You can go read it in Genesis 13. It's there. The servants of Abraham and the servants of Lot. They were in strife. I think the NIV is the word the NIV uses. There's conflict within the family. And this conflict, some of the most difficult conflict for me or you or any of us to deal with is conflict in the family. Genesis 13, 9 is, is one of the scriptures that we have up here. Um, Lot says to, uh, excuse me, Abram says to Lot, the second sentence there, let's part company. All right, he took, Genesis 12, he takes Lot with him and he took Lot with him is what it says. But he's saying, now let's separate. And in fact, some of the translations uh, 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 will just say they separated. This translation says they decided to part ways. They parted company. And it seems like if you just read it, it just seems like it says there they parted company because of conflict over grazing rights. I don't think that's it at all. I really don't. And there's, there's clues to that in the, in the next three or four chapters. And I don't have 15 minutes to, to teach the next three or four chapters to you, but there's clues to that because in the next three or four chapters, you find out that Lot was a troubled man. And if you know your Bibles and you've been to Sunday school, you know that Lot made some really bad decisions. And Lot was a troubled man. And the Bible says they parted company. And the Bible says, other translations say they separated. And what I'm saying, and I'll tell you why I say it later, is because there was, this wasn't really a grazing rights issue, but God used the grazing issue. Your grass is greener than mine. I'm mad at yours. You got more grass than I. You, you got more thicker grass or whatever those arguments and that strife was. God used that because I'm telling you this morning that God had to separate Abram and Lot. And, and when you read the, the, the story of, of, of Lot, you see in the next three or four chapters that he makes lousy, lousy choices. He even pitched his tent near Sodom. And it, when the Bible says he pitched his tent near Sodom, and then it says Sodom was a wicked place. Gives you a little clue right there. Some of the conflict that we have in our lives is because there are people that are attached to us that don't need to be attached to us. There are people that are hanging on to us that are not the people that God wants hanging on to us. There are people hanging on to us that are, are not understanding the direction that I want to go in my life. 
There are people hanging on to us that that are not spurring me on to love and good deeds, as Hebrews chapter 12 says. There are people hanging on to us that aren't the people that prop me and prod me and keep me accountable and help me to be all that God wants me to be. And what anyone in here that's been a Christian longer than one year knows, it's very difficult to walk with God when you walk with people that aren't walking with God. Now, just what I said last week, we're friendly with everyone. We have a smile for everyone. We're not rude. We're not uh, ugly. But the people you hook up with, the people you connect with, the people you're in relationship, the people that you're friends, I mean, really friends, the people that you're friends with, the people you confide with, the people that you take advice from, those people is who I'm talking about. Those people that you're close to, those people need to be on the same wavelength that you are. And if the people you're taking advice from, if the people that you're confiding in, if the people that you're hooked up with are not on the same journey that you're on, the journey gets a whole lot harder. So I'm putting off, I'm putting to you this morning that God knew Lot shouldn't have been with him and God created a conflict so Abram and Lot would separate. And I'm wondering if your life, if some of the strife in your life may have been God-ordained so you can be able to shed some of the people that aren't helping you be the man and the woman that God wants you to be. That's a hard word, isn't it? Because we're supposed to love everybody. But I'm telling you, when I came to Christ, the very Monday after, the, after I came to Christ, I could, I could no longer go in the coach's locker room and hang out with the coaches because I knew what the conversation was in there. I went to a Christian bookstore as soon as I got out, stayed in that Christian bookstore for four straight hours because I knew I had to have Christian influence. And I knew if I went back to that locker room and hang out with that coaches, I'd, I'd end up at the casino down the street like we did every day. I was still nice to them. I still correspond with some of them. But I was no longer hooked up with them. They could be my, com- they could be my companions, but they couldn't be partners with me because I was walking a different road. And some people have really difficulty is because they, they don't want to, they have to be around people and I have to have a lot of friends and I need all this, all these friends around me and they end up having a lot of companions and they don't have any partners. They don't have anybody that's, that's on the same road they're on. They don't have anybody that thinks like them. They don't have anybody that has the same goals in life. That's moving in the same direction in life. Let me tell you, friends, I know some of you have already figured this out. And for some of you kids, you haven't figured it out yet. One of the the two biggest things in life that you've got to figure out is what direction are you heading in life and who's going with you? It's huge. What direction are you heading in life and who is going to go with you? You've got to find out the direction, the call that God has on your life, what he wants for you, what direction he wants you to be, what type of person he wants to be. And you've got to hook up with people that are in partnership with that direction. You just don't hook up with companions. You just don't hook up with any Tom, Dick, and Harry. You need some partners. 
And let me tell you, all of you that are in here are single, here's a good side road that I can be able to get to the verse I like to quote a whole lot. You should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Let me tell you, if you're single and you're going to get married one day, you don't need a companion. You need a partner that has the same heartbeat for Jesus that you have. And if you don't pick that partner, let me tell you, I'm sorry this is true, but let me tell you, your marriage is going to be disappointing because you're not on the same heartbeat as your wife or the same heartbeat as your husband. You don't need a companion, you need a partner. Abraham didn't need a companion. The call was for Abraham. He needed partners. And I'm putting to you today that God had him split up. And it just came to me in the first service, and it just absolutely, I didn't study this. It just absolutely popped to me, and I'm just not going to be old macho and say, God just told me that. I don't know if God told me that, or the two bagels I had for breakfast told me that. I don't have any clue. <laughs> but know what? It came to me right in the middle of, of, of the sermon is that if, if, if Lot was hooked up with Abram, maybe Abram would have left everything to Lot. And Lot, we find out, wasn't the person he should have been. And it would run down from Lot and his children instead of running down through Abraham and his children. I'm I'm just wondering. I'm just thinking out loud. Instead of going from from Abraham to Isaac and Jacob, it would have gone to Lot. to. Going from Abraham to Lot to... I'm just thinking out loud. Now, I haven't even gotten to what I want to preach about, but I'm trying to be able to tell you that sometimes you have to separate. You're friendly with... Now, now before some of you wives get all fired up, I'm not talking about divorcing your husband, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Now, some, I know some of your wives are on the edge of your seat right there. I know you are. Not what I'm saying. Bible says you two become one flesh for better or for worse I'm talking especially to the young people that haven't hooked up that way with anybody yet and I'm talking to all of us who 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 have friends that need to be not companions but partners I've got lots of companions I have people that are I have lots of companions I don't have very many partners And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because I enjoy the pleasure of my own company. (laughs) And some of you got to learn to be okay with yourself. You don't have to have people around you all the time. And, and, And if you do have to have people around you all the time, I guarantee you, you will compromise and someone won't be people that are helping you go the direction that God wants you to go. You gotta be okay with yourself. And if you're not okay with yourself, how in the world is anybody else going to be okay with you? And my, my wife gets mad at me when I say this. And she, and she just told me between services not to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway because I believe it's true. <laughs> and she said, you let the guys off the hook when you say this, and that's not my intent to do this. But as I have observed in almost 58 years of living It's the females who compromise and end up marrying a guy they shouldn't have married. Now, that doesn't mean guys don't have to make good choices, too. That's not at all what I'm saying.
Some of you girls got to be okay being, all, being alone till God brings a partner along. Not just a companion. You got to be okay being alone till he brings someone that's your heartbeat along. You got to go, go to Applebee's by yourself. You got to send flyers to yourself. Now, I'm I'm saying that in a funny way, but there's truth there. There's truth there. There's conflict that I'm putting forth to you this morning that God orchestrated this conflict because Abram and Lot needed to separate. And the reason I'm saying that is because Lot, in the next three or four chapters, just, just, just a troubled person makes really poor choices. And some of the conflict in your life is because you haven't separated And I, I know, I know, oh, man, I just know this is so easy to preach and so hard for us to do. I know that, but it doesn't keep me from saying the truth. There are some people in your life that are holding you back. Well, I'm trying to reach them for Jesus. Well, Okay. But I can be a companion with that person without being a partner with that person. You know what? When I was a brand new Christian, I don't know how many brand new Christians we in here, but I, I, I was probably on the way one or two years before I really got involved in evangelism because I had to shed so much filth in my life. And I was, such a, I was a baby Christian, and I wasn't strong enough to be able to walk in with where all that filth was and stay clean from that, I knew I would fall to it, so I had to shed that from my life. If I didn't shed that from my life, I knew that I would back up on God and turn my back on him. And some of you know what I mean. Some of you know what I mean. Those of you don't know what I mean if you led a pretty good life before you came to Christ. But if you were ornery like I was, you know exactly what I mean. And just because you, you, didn't, you didn't lead an honorary life, don't doubt what I said. See, you don't know the sin that was in my life, and you don't know all the stuff that was in my life that I had to turn my back on. And some people in here did too. Because, because our God got more important than our friends. And I could tell you stories, right? I could, I could, I could curl your hair with stories right now on, on, on situations I had to turn my back on because God meant more to me than that person did. And I knew I couldn't have God in that person. I could tell you stories. Well, I haven't even got around to what I wanted to say yet. (laughs) I wanted to teach you how to deal with conflict. And this story teaches us how to deal with conflict. And it just happens to be a conflict over people that shouldn't have been hooked up. So I just thought I'd spend a little bit of time on that hooked up thing. And that's just not a thing for kids. That's a thing for all of us. Let me tell you guys, there are pastors. There are, there are people that are going to heaven. There are pastors that I don't need to be hooked up with because I don't want to be the type of person they are. But they're still going to heaven. I know they are. I'm not going to preach them out of heaven. But I don't want to be that kind of pastor. And if I hang around with that type of person, I may turn into that type of pastor. I've got to be, I'm on the direction that God has given me. And the direction that God has given me is a little different than he's given some other people. And that's okay. That's okay. But I know that's not for me. So how do, we, how do we get over the fear of conflict? How do we get over with, with the fear of, of, of pushing back? 
How do we get over the fear of, 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 of having to, to have some real difficult conversations? How do we get over that fear? Well, as usual, it's, you ought to read your Bible. It's really cool. It's right, it's right there in the Bible. I don't have to make it up. I don't have to go watch Dr. Phil. I don't have to do any of that. It's all right here in the Bible. Because it, 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 it says in Scripture, what's, what's, what's the verse that I have here, Amy? Abram said to Lot, let's stop right there. Now, if you were really on tune for this, you'd be saying amen. And some of you may even be just getting a little happy and waving your handkerchief a little bit. Because it says, Abram said to Lot. That's a whole sermon in itself right there. You see, Abram didn't go to everybody else. Abram didn't go to every Lottie and Dottie and talk to them about the problems. He went to the person that was a decision maker. He went to the person that could really pull the trigger. He went to the person that could do something about it. He didn't go to everybody and tell everybody about it. He went to the right person to have the conversation. Now, there's a whole lot of preaching that can be done right there. He went to the man who could pull the trigger. He went to the man who could make the decision. He didn't go to his family. Oh, Lot, his servants. He didn't go to his pastor and just complain about his servant. He didn't, he didn't go to his servants and said, look at all those. I wish they were as good as you all. No, he went to the one that could control the situation. Abram went to Lot. How do you get over the fear of having the conversation? You, you go to the person that the conversation needs to be had with because the only thing you're doing if you go to all these other people is delaying the inevitable. And when you delay the inevitable, it takes you longer to go to the person you need to. And the longer you wait to go to the person you need to, the worse the situation is going to be. The worse the situation will be. You'll pray, oh God, would you make the situation better? It won't get any better. You've got to go. And you've got to talk to them. Your prayer should be, God, give me the courage to go have the conversation. Abram went to Lot. How do you get over? How do you deal with conflict? How do you get over your fear of conflict? Conflict is a whole lot... <laughs> Conflict is a whole lot easier to deal with if you don't get all, every Tom, Dick, and Harry involved in it. Because when you get all Tom, Dick, and Harry involved in it, man, then the whole church knows about it, and then you got a big deal. You just go to Lot. You just go to Lot. And you take care of the situation. Lot's the one you need to talk to. That Lot is also the hardest conversation to have. I get that a thousand percent. I get it, a thousand percent. I can testify here. My second church that I pastored was New Star Church of the Nazarene in McDonough, Georgia, and, and we, we had conflict between our musicians and our sound guy. Now, I know that in our church, we would never have conflict between the musicians and our sound people. I know we wouldn't. So I'm not talking about anybody in our church, Okay. But at New Star Church of the Nazarene in McDonough, Georgia, we had conflict between our musicians and my sound guy. I only had a church of about 100 people there. I was just thankful I had a sound guy, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> but you know how musicians are. They want everything perfect, right? Just perfect. And they can't sing very good, so they want the sound man to, to make them sound better than they really are. Okay? 
So when the sound guy doesn't do his job and they sound like they always do, they get mad at it. Okay. And you know how sound people are. Sound people just can't leave it where it was last week. They have to play with it up there because they want some autonomy up there and they, they have to do this and they have to do that. And when they do this and when they do that, little Lolly up here doesn't sound as good as she wants to sound. What are y'all laughing for over there? I've just lost two sound people probably. But that's, that's true. I'm done. <laughs> so I had, I had a problem with my musicians and my sound guy, okay? And I just prayed it away. Oh, God, oh, God. I really got all sanctified and got on my knees and everything. Oh, God. It got worse. <laughs> it got worse. Until one Sunday after church, see, I, I'd stuffed this under the rug and thought it would just, you know, I thought aborting it would actually be deliverance, but avoidance is not deliverance. I stuffed it under the rug and didn't, and didn't have enough courage to deal with it. And so one Sunday after church, we were all milling around after church like you do after church, and I turned back, I heard some noise going on back by the sound booth. And I turned my head, and I heard some noise that sounded something like this. And I turned back, and I looked at the sound booth at New Start Church of the Nazarene in McDonough, Georgia, where it's our, it's our mission to make Christ-like disciples in the nation, and I had a shoving match going on in my sound booth. At New Start Church of the Nazarene in McDonough, Georgia, where we proudly make Christ-like disciples. in all the nations. I wasn't the shover or I wasn't the shovey, but that shoving match was my fault because as a leader, I was a coward. Now, I was a coward because Brian was only 20 and he hadn't grown up yet and he was really defensive and he wouldn't take it very well, Okay. Also, his mother was Jane, and Jane just thinks the sun rises and sets in Brian. I know none of you, none of you, all of you look at your kids very realistically, and you know exactly what the score is. I know that, okay? So I'm not talking about any of you all out here. But Jane thought that her son could do no wrong. And so if I was going to have a, a difficult conversation with Brian, I was going to have a difficult conversation with Jane. And I only had 100 people in my church, and that 2% of them are already mad at me right then. So I bailed. And me not being a leader, me being scared of conflict, me not wanting to deal with the situation, me not wanting to be able to push back, have the confrontation, try to resolve it, uh, led to an embarrassing situation at New Star Church of the Nazarene in McDonough, Georgia, where it's our mission to make Christ-like disciples in all the nations. But if I had done like Abram and took the initiative, the, the scripture plaintiff says that he went to, to a lot. If I had taken the initiative, he, he, he went to, the, the, the argument wasn't between Abram and Lot. It was just between the servants. Now, pretty soon, it would probably bled over into the families. But he took the initiative while, while the situation was still not very big. It hadn't really bubbled over yet. It, had, it wasn't boiling out of the pot yet. It was, it was still just kind of simmering a little bit. And, and he saw the situation. He saw that it was bad. And he said, I've got to take the initiative here, and I've got to act on this before it really gets bad. 
You want to deal with conflict and you want to deal with it easier? Deal with it before it gets bad. Because it'll get bad. And so I end up having to deal with, I end up having to deal with one of my board members who shoved my sound man. And we had to have a come to Jesus meeting after church simply because I didn't deal with it when it was just simmering. I let it boil over. Abram took the initiative. And that's not an easy thing to do. I'm not saying this is all going to be easy, but I'm telling you, friends, if you're fearful of conflict, it's easier to deal with it when it's simmering than it is when it's boiling over. And that, that, I mean, that's like, duh. But why do we still avoid it? Why do we still avoid it? Abram went to Lot, the one that could pull the trigger, the decision maker. Abram went, took the initiative. Someone had to go deal with this. Somebody had to deal with it. And isn't it a Christian thing to do to take the initiative and put it on our shoulders and by the grace of God, we are the one that deals with it? Doesn't that sound like a Jesus thing to do? Take away the Jesus thing. Let's pretend for a second that never was a person named Jesus Christ. Doesn't that sound like the adult thing to do? We all, we all, we all, I'll stand first in the lines. We don't want to have to deal with messes. I remember, I don't know if it was Christopher or Levi, so I have to give him a buck when I give a story about him, but I'm, I don't, it was one of you two, so I'm not saying which one it was, so I don't know your penny. Okay? <laughs> but one of them was about two, and they walked in the room, and they had a smelly diaper. Okay? And Sue and I were in the family room, and I smelt it. And her olfactory grands work as good as mine, and she smelt it, but neither one of us got up. <laughs> I know none of you men have ever let your wife go change the diaper. I know, I know, that's, I know, I know you're more Christ-like than that. And I know none of you ladies have ever had any thought that come to your mind, I wish he'd just change one diaper in his whole life. I know that's never entered anybody's mind. So in walks one of the two boys, and they come waddling in <laughs> sometimes when their diaper really needs to be changed, if you know what I mean, okay? Now you're going to want to know who got up and took care of the mess, didn't you? I don't remember at all but one of us had to get up and take care of the mess. One of us had to be the adult and get up, probably Sue. Yeah, it probably was. Okay. <laughs> one of us had to be the adult and take care of the mess because you know what? If we hadn't take care of the mess, it had got a lot messier. <laughs> it was easier to take care of that mess right then than it would have been an hour later. Don't you love how real we are here at Xenia Nazarene? 
You can't say that stuff at the Presbyterian church or the Methodist church. They throw you out. Abram went to Lot. Abram took the initiative. What's, what's the next slide that we have up here? Abram said to Lot, is not the whole land before us? This is why I don't think it was really a grazing problem. If it was, the whole land was before them. Why was it really a grazing problem? If this is the way they could resolve it, why, why did they have an issue in the first place? Because the whole land was before them. But Abram says to Lot, the whole land's before them. You take, you, if you choose, you decide what you want. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You just decide, Lot. You decide. Now, that was, a pretty, that was pretty big of Abram because Abram was the elder statesman. And the elder statesman in that society means a whole lot does more than the elder statesman in our society means. But Abram is a big man. He takes the high road. And he says, I'll take the loss on this. I'll take the L. I don't have to win everything. I don't have to win everything. I just want resolution to this. Almost every single couple I have come in my office with marital problems, they're, 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 they're looking to win who's wrong instead of resolution. And as long as you're looking to win the argument, there will never be resolution. Because as soon as there's a winner, there's a loser. And Abram says, <clears throat> you decide, man, you, you take first pick. And that's amazingly similar to me, to the Apostle Paul, when in, 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 the, in the first Corinthians. Now, the only reason first Corinthians was ever written is because uh, of problems in the church. They were messed up. That's why I just stopped and had to take a picture yesterday when I was in Columbus of a church. And the name of the church was the Corinthian Missionary Baptist Church. Why would anyone name their church after a church that was filled with sin? And you just have to read 1 Corinthians to find that out. Okay. So they had people on this side of the main aisle suing people over here on this side of the aisle. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Just read it. It's there. And Paul says, you're doing this in front of an unbelieving judge? You're taking your disputes in front of an unbeliever and by obvious application. What a poor testimony that is. He says, y'all settle, settle your disputes amongst yourselves. Get somebody in the church that's worthy to make your decision here and, 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 and settle that dispute. Don't take it before an unbelieving judge. Then Paul goes on to say, shouldn't, now listen to this. What, shouldn't you rather be cheated Instead of you having to win this dispute with another believer, shouldn't, wouldn't you rather be cheated than drag this thing out in front of an unbelieving judge and the bad testimony that that is? Shouldn't you be the bigger person and rather be cheated? That's what Abram did. You take whatever land you want. I know probably I have the right to it, but you take whatever land you want, I'll take the other. How do you deal with conflict? How do you get over your fear of dealing with conflict? Be the big person. Take the loss. 
wouldn't you rather be cheated? Go home and read it. It's 1 Corinthians 6. We had a real little, 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 little bit of this that happened at, in, in right out here by this door this week. We have, we have a guy that's working for us doing a really good job, but we had some miscommunication on what we were going to pay him. And, and we, he agreed to pay this amount, and he, but then he came back later and said, no, I think I should have got paid more. And I, and I said to him, but you agreed on this amount. Why should I have to change it now? And, but I, well, I just don't think it was enough to say. I said, but you agreed on it, so we weren't getting anywhere. And then 1 Corinthians 6 popped into my head. And, 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 and I went ahead and gave him the other $150. I didn't owe it to him. No way. I cost you all $150. But, but me paying him $150 maybe saved him from going out around the church talking about the pastor at Xenia Church of Nazarene. Shouldn't I rather be cheated? $150 is just not worth it. And it's fascinating. In this Genesis chapter 13, where they're talking about the... St- <laughs> God's word is just something else. Because if you look in Genesis chapter 13, when they're talking about the strife between Abram's servants and Lot's servants, you know what it says right there? The Canaanite and the Presonites were in the land. Unbeliever, pagan people were watching how Yahweh's people were going to deal with this. Don't you know the unbelieving world who thinks Christians ought to all get along. At least we, if we can't get along with everybody else, we ought to get along with each other. <laughs> the Canaanites and the Presidites were in the land. Shouldn't you rather be cheated? Now listen, if you don't get this, if it just does not compute, okay, you got nothing going on spiritually. Okay, because this is deeply spiritual teaching. This is mature Christian teaching. And some of you may be so young in the faith that you don't get this at all. That's okay. That's okay. But if you're not young in the faith, if you've been coming to this church 20 years and you still think nobody going to cheat me, you've got serious issues spiritually. Because blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Shouldn't you rather be cheated? You choose first, Lot. Then I'll take what's left over. Let me finish. I've gone too long. I've gone too long and I cut a whole bunch out from the first service. I don't know how that happened. Let's got the la- put the last passage of Scripture up here. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and the south and to the east and the west. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had departed, he gave him a vision. He, he, he pulled the curtain back. He clued him in a little bit more on what this new country God was going to give him after he separated from Lot because Lot was a companion and not a partner. And Lot couldn't be a part of this vision. It was Abram he called. And after Lot left, then he opened his eyes. Then he said, look what I'm going to do for you. Look around. Let's go back. Just one slide, please. Look around from where you are to the north and the south and to the east and the west. Next slide. 
All the land that I see, I will give to you and your offspring and your offspring forever. Maybe if Lot had stuck with him, he would have given some of that land to Lot and it would have gone through Lot's line instead of going through Abraham's line. No, God said, I'm giving this land to you and your offspring. I've called you to do this. Next scripture. I will make your, deci- your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. And God has kept that promise to Abraham. The, the three uh, largest religions in the world are Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. And all of them trace their roots to Abraham. His descendants have become too many to number. God clued Abram in, pulled back the veil, shared a little inside information with him when Lot had departed. Showed him just a little bit more, pushed him a little farther in the faith, gave him a little glimpse of what he had for him. Friends, hear me again. We're, we're friendly with everyone. Man, I mean, there can be nothing more anti-Jesus than to, than to turn your back on people and be rude. And, and that, that's not what I'm talking about. We're friendly to everyone, but we don't have to hook up with everyone. We're very discerning on who we hook up with. Greg Hawkins was a staff pastor at Willow Creek Church, a little small little church of 30,000 up in Chicago. And, and, and when they did a survey of discipleship because they were dissatisfied with their discipleship in the church, they did a survey called Reveal. And in the book that was, was written by the same title, uh, Greg Hawkins says one of the major issues in a lack of discipleship and a lack of growing in God amongst their people was inappropriate relationships. They were hooked up with unbelievers and taking advice and counsel from unbelievers. And there is no church that is more committed to evangelism than Willow Creek is. But Willow Creek knows exactly what we know here at Xenia Nazarene. That there are people that can keep you from being all God wants you to be. Because, listen to me. Association leads to assimilation. Now... Some of you get that and some of you don't, and that's fine. They taught us that in seminary. You know, when we have a new family here, we try to uh, assimilate them to the church. And and the biggest way we try to assimilate them to the church is to associate them with other people in the church. So when Becky Hancock in the first service meets this new couple, she walks them straight up to me so they can meet somebody else so they're associated in the church more than just with Becky. Because association breeds assimilation. Now, that's what they taught us in Sunday school, and that don't do anything for you. But your mommy and daddy taught you the same thing because your mommy and daddy says birds of a feather flock together. Your mommy and daddy told you that you cannot lie down with dogs if you don't want to get up with fleas. Your mom and daddy taught you that, right? Your mommy and daddy says you cannot soar with the eagles if you hoot with the owls. Your daddy told you that. I know he did. My daddy told me, you, if you're going to run with the bulls, Mark, you're going to get the horn sooner or later. That's all I've said today. So this is nothing new because your mommy and your grandmommy told you that. Be careful who you hang around with. And God loves you enough to bring conflict in your life if he needs to shed someone's influence in your life. But you've got to swallow hard and deal with the conflict. 
have the difficult conversation. Our servers are coming to the table. In the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, if it's, if it's strong enough to get you out of hell, don't you think it's strong enough to help you with that conversation? Stop praying for God to take care of the situation. Pray that God gives you the courage for you to do what you need to do. I was talking to somebody this week, and someone is, is living with their grandmother, not somebody in this church, so don't try to figure out who it is, living with their grandmother, and the grandmother is not disciplined, the granddaughter, and the only thing the grandmother keeps saying is, well, God's got her. God's got her. God's got her. No, ma'am. God gave her to you. And God expects you to discipline her. Because just as a father disciplines his son, so the heavenly father disciplines us. And you're expected to discipline your kids. And you can't get all spiritual and say, God's got her. And wash my hands of the situation. My prayer needs to be in so many situations, not, oh, God, would you take care of this situation for me so I don't have to deal with it, which is basically what I'm praying. I don't say those words, but that's what I'm praying. God, give me the courage. God, I know you have not given me a spirit of timidity, but you've given me a spirit of power, of sound mind, and of love. Let me walk in that. Let me realize that, and let me have this conversation that I need to have. i got to have a difficult conversation this week. Pray for me that I have a, do not have a spirit of fear and a spirit of timidity father help us as christians to deal with conflict in our lives help us not to have a mistaken view of jesus that jesus was this limp-wristed little uh, pansy of a person that never dealt with real issues help us understand that as christians we have not been given a spirit of fear and we can deal in a gracious, loving, Christ-like way with the messes. Because if we don't deal with the messes, the mess will eventually deal with us. Help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen.